Let's all turn to Acts, the 24th chapter, Acts 24. You know, 150 years ago, we'd be huddling around a wood stove in here. Crowd would probably be considerably smaller. <laughs> and when we got done, you'd have to get out and ride your mare back home. Telling you, we got it made. We got it made. We got it cushy. Don't you think? I do. We are so blessed. Of course, to whom much is given, much is expected. You know, heated cars and heated auditorium, and there's really no excuse for laying out and staying home and goofing off. <laughs> Well, that didn't go over too big, did it? <laughs> Acts 24, let's go look at that. Acts 24 and 16. We began on a series some weeks ago entitled A Clear Conscience, talking about the, the role of the conscience in our life. And this has been our, our main text. Paul said by the Spirit, he said, I do exercise myself to always have a conscience void of offense toward God and toward men. And the NIV, the NIV, I strive always to keep my conscience clear before God and man. This is something he, uh, Paul said by the Spirit of God, the Spirit of God said through him, that he did all the time. He's always watching and making an effort and doing what needs to be done so that his conscience is clear between him and God and between him and other people. And this is vitally important. You know, this is connected to so many things. People say, well, you know, that's all fine and good, but what I'm interested in is miracles. Then you ought to be interested in this. Because the key, the key to miracles is what Jesus' mother told him at the first miracle in Jesus' ministry at the wedding feast of Canaan. Remember what she told him? Whatever he says to you, do it. Now a miracle is no more complicated than that. Whatever the Lord says to you, do it. But that implies you hearing from Him. Right? And how are you going to boldly act on something He told you to do unless you're confident it's Him? And you heard from Him. And that is uh, what we're dealing with right now is the source of so much confusion as to why people are saying, uh, is that the Lord, or is that just me, or is that the devil, are you sure that's the Lord, and I don't know, and the cause for all this confusion and dullness is tied to this subject that we're looking at, the conscience. If you want to hear, you must be clear. Say it out loud. If you want to hear, you, want to hear, you must be clear. Be 
You got to have a clear conscience if you want to hear from him distinctly and definitely. And uh, we haven't been taught like we should have been. We should have been taught from the time we're big enough to start talking and walking, to pay attention to what we get on the inside and to heed it and never override it. And don't go contrary to it. But people are not. You got people been in church all their life. And know next to nothing. About how to be led by the spirit. Or about paying attention to their conscience. You hear Christians all the time say it. You know that something goes wrong. There's a problem. There's a tragedy. There's a mishap. There's loss. There's damage. And time after time you hear Christians saying. I knew I shouldn't have done that. I knew we shouldn't have gone there. I knew we shouldn't have got involved in that. I knew. Well, if you knew, why did you override that and ignore that? One reason is because people have not been taught enough to heed this. It's, it sounds mysterious to people about being led internally by the Holy Spirit. That sounds strange to people. And so people are pretty much relying on their senses, their physical senses, and their reasoning, and their intellect. And that's how they're making their decisions. And friend, that's just like unsaved people do. You and I are not limited to seeing and hearing and feeling and the little knowledge we've accumulated between our ears. Thank God. We're not limited to that. We got somebody in us. Come on now, we got somebody in us who knows everything about everything, who is never at a loss about what we should do and which is the right way and how to do it. Never, never, never is God trying to figure something out for us. Never do you check with the Holy Spirit and it comes back searching. Never, never. Never does the Lord say, well, let me get back to you on that. I'm, uh, I'm going to have to see what's going on. Never, never, never. He knew you were going to need an answer before you ever knew you were going to have a situation that required an answer. And he ain't already got it before you find out you needed it. He knows the end from the beginning. And so instead of us trying to figure things out, we need to go to the one who already knows. Proverbs 3 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not to your own understanding. You use your understanding, you use your mind, you think, you find out what you can, but you don't use that to make the final decision. When it comes time to make the decision and act and do it, you go by what you get in here. And the conscience is involved in this. Your conscience is the voice of your spirit, for lack of a better way to say it. I'm not saying that's the whole uh, understanding of it, but it is, it's part of your spirit, not your mind. Your conscience is not your mind. Your mind thinks, but your spirit is in direct contact with God, and that's who you want to hear from. He's going to communicate to you through that part of your being. Go with me, if you would, to Romans 8. 
I got some answers today. Some things I asked the Lord about when we first started this series. I said, Lord, I don't understand that. Show me that. He showed me part of it today. Just like that. I thought, well, (laughs) there it is. (laughs) Every time it's that way, you're like, whoa, why didn't you see that already? Well, you know, that's how light is. When the light comes on, when it's dark, you stumble over things and you don't know where you're at. You don't know where you're going. But in the light, you look up and go, oh, there's the door right there. In the light. Romans 8, are you there? If you'll believe with me, we'll get to some of these things I'm talking about. Romans 8 and verse 14. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Now, there are male sons and female sons. Male or female, we're all called sons of God. And sons of God ought to be led, how? By the Spirit of God. We ought not be led externally. We ought to be led internally. That's a simple statement, but man, there are thousands of folk that or ignoring that altogether. We are born again. We have the spirit within. We are not to be led by needs. We are not to be led by pressures or demands. We are not to be led by opportunities. We are not to be led by statistics. Nor percentages. Nor amounts. There's some folks. They never pray about stuff when it comes to money. They just want the cheapest one. And after you get it, and you have to take it back two or three times, and then it breaks, and only lasts three weeks, it ain't so cheap. And you still got to get another one. But if all you see is dollar signs, and you're not open to anything else, you can't hear the leading of the Lord. And many times the Lord try to lead somebody to something, and they say, How much? And they got sticker shock, and they won't even try to believe for it, and they don't realize the Lord never intended that they had to pay. He's going to give it to them for a third of that. But they'll never find that out, because they couldn't believe it. So they, they won't even look at it. Being externally led will get you into trouble, and will rob you, and trip you up, right, left, front, and back. Children of God, sons of God, ought to be, thank God can be, led how? How? Internally by the Holy Spirit. We're not supposed to be led by fleeces. Someone says, well, Gideon was. Well, Gideon didn't have the Spirit within. He, He wasn't sure who was dealing with him. He wasn't born again. You couldn't tell him, Gideon, brother, just be led by the Spirit. He couldn't be. That wasn't available to him. So he put out a fleece. He said, well, God, if this is you, let the fleece be like this. And then he still wasn't sure. Well, can you see? He doesn't have anything going on inside here. He's just looking out here. And the devil is out here in this world. He's called 2 Corinthians 4, 4, the God of this world. And you hear people say, well, God, if you want me to do this, then um, if you don't want me to do it, close the door so I can't. Lord never told you to pray that way. Well, Lord, if this is you, have five red cars come by my house 
in sequence. And I'll know that you're not supposed to pray that way. Somebody said, well, I did pray that way and it happened. God has mercy on babies sometimes that don't know any better. But you've got to watch about doing that kind of stuff because the devil is out here. He can do some stuff. And if you make decisions based on stuff that happened out here around you, you can be misled. No, you got a sure fire way of being led. You don't have to put out fleeces. You don't have to flip coins. You don't have to ask 30 people what they think. Go to the source. Come on, are you listening, saints? Go to the one who's never wrong. Who never has to think about it and try to figure it out. Who already knows. The Holy Spirit inside you. Now look at the 16th verse. Romans 8, 16. The Spirit itself. Now uh, that is the same word numerous other places translated himself. Or his own self. The Holy Spirit is not an it. He's a person. Numerous scriptures bear that out. Jesus referred to the Holy Spirit, what over in John 14, 15, 16, a half dozen or more times, Jesus referred to the Holy Spirit as He. He, He, Him, Himself. Didn't He? The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. What part of us does the Spirit bear witness with? That's not our mind. That's not your intellect. That's not your body. That's not your thinking. And that's not your physical feelings. That's your spirit. You are a spirit. You're sitting there right now. Looking at me through those two windows we call eyes. You're back there on the inside. And if you lost your body right now. It would fall in a heap on the floor. But you'd still be you. And you'd still be around. And you still have your mind. Are you listening? You know when you realize you're going to be around forever. It helps you relax. Now you're not going to be in this body down here forever. But you know when you leave here. The Bible said it's far better. To be with Christ than to be in the body. And be here. The Spirit of God bears witness with our spirit. Somebody say, with our spirit. spirit. Now I want you to notice this term, bears witness. Witness. I want to talk tonight, as the Lord would help us, about the witness of the Spirit. The witness. Do you know what a witness is? This is one time that is probably pretty much just what you think. Talking about the Greek words or... Hebrew words, what is a witness? A witness, I'm looking up the words that I could, it means one who affirms or declares what they have seen or heard or knows. One who testifies. It's just like a witness in court. Same thing. And, uh, you know, In court, hearsay is not admissible. It's not solid evidence. Uh, When you are a witness, you are an eyewitness. Means you saw it yourself. Or you wouldn't have to be an eyewitness. You could have heard it. 
Maybe you, you didn't see it, but you heard it. But it can't be somebody told you they heard it. You heard it. It's something you saw, you heard, you know, you experienced. And if you were there, you saw it, you heard it, you experienced it, then you can be a witness. You can testify. Witnesses testify. They give testimony of what they saw, heard, and know. And the Spirit of God testifies. He gives witness. This is very important. Very important. The Lord has called us to be witnesses. Did you know that? Well, that implies we know something about him. You can't testify about him and you don't know anything about him. You never had any experience with him. You've never seen him do anything. you never heard anything from him. Well, you can't be a witness for him. But the more you've seen him do. How many would say with me, I know what the Lord has done for me. I know in whom I have believed. I'm persuaded. He's able to keep me and do everything that he said he would do. I was there when he healed me. I was there when he paid my bills. I was there when he forgave me. I was there when he saved me and I was born again. I was there when he filled me with the Spirit and I spoke in tongues. I was there. I was there. You can't tell me I wasn't there. I was there. I saw it. I heard it. I experienced it. I am a witness that Jesus is The Lord, the head of the church, he's the savior, he's the healer, he's the baptizer in the Holy Ghost. I boldly testify. I saw him save me and I've seen him do the same for a whole lot of other folks. I've seen him heal people, I've seen him forgive people, I've seen him cleanse, I can testify. Anybody beside me in here, can you testify if somebody called on you and said... Can you give testimony of this? You say, yeah, I was there. I saw it. I heard it. I've experienced it. I know it. And the man with an experience is never at the expense of a man with an argument. Some of these people trying to tell us, you know, that God won't meet your needs and God doesn't heal anymore and all these other kind of things. It's like coming to a man that's doing the backstroke in a pool and saying, there's no water in that pool. There's no water. Hey. You're wet. Nobody tell you there's no water in the pool. And we are wet. We are wet with the blessings of the Lord. And so we gladly and boldly testify to that fact. Jesus is called the faithful and true witness. He said that's why he came. You know, when he stood before Pilate, he said that that's why he came was to bear witness to the truth. That's what Jesus said. Now, I want you to notice something. Go with me to Deuteronomy. They'll put it on the screen for us. Deuteronomy 17 and 6. The Lord giving the uh, righteous uh, concepts of the law and his statutes. He said this, at the mouth of two witnesses or three witnesses, Shall he that's worthy of death be put to death, but at the mouth of one witness he shall not be put to death. Now he's talking about somebody that's committed something worthy of uh, death. 
Won't you say that loud? One witness, One witness alone, alone is unacceptable. unacceptable. There got to be two or three. Right? He said the same thing in Deuteronomy 19.15. He said, One witness shall not rise up against a man. It has to be at the mouth of two witnesses or at the mouth of three witnesses shall the matter be established. One witness was not enough and not acceptable. Come over to the New Testament. 2 Corinthians 13. 2 Corinthians 13. And 1. The Spirit of God through Paul said this. This is the third time I'm coming to you. In the mouth of two or three witnesses shall every word be established. You see Old Testament Uh, word and statute, you see New Testament uh, principle and confirmation. Does this apply to us today? Say it out loud, in the mouth of two or three witnesses witnesses, shall every word word be established. established. Sometimes the, the word for word is translated matter as well. Word or matter or matter of utterance. Every word, every matter will be established, how? In the mouth of two or three witnesses. Now go with me, if you would, to the book of John, Gospel account of John, the eighth chapter. Some of you already know where I'm going. That's good. Of course, you don't know it all. John 8. (laughs) Nor do I. John 8. Notice this. Very significant. John 8 and verse 13. I'm going to read this in the, uh, the NIV. Uh, actually, verse 12 is where we need to start. John 8, 12. Jesus is speaking to the Pharisees. He said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Now, if you're confused, if you're depressed, you're in darkness. I didn't say you were lost, but you're walking in darkness. You can be a child of light and stumble around in the dark. Who is going to walk in the light? Not just children of light. But those who do what? Who follow him. You know if somebody drops you off in the middle. Of the deepest darkest Amazonian jungle. In the middle of the night. And there's one guy leading the the folks on the trail. And he's got the light. (laughs) Put the light behind you. You see all these eyes. Back in in the undergrowth. And you hear all these sounds. (laughs) And you can just tell there's hungry stuff out there. If you're smart. I said if you're smart. What will you do? Like the psalmist said. My soul follows hard. What does that mean? That means if you stop. My nose is hitting your back. Let me know if you're stopping. Because I am right on you. But you can be independent. 
You can say, I don't like this trail. This trail is tough. I keep getting slapped with stuff. It's brush. It's hard. You know, I'm going to go this way. <laughs> yeah, but he's got the light. And he knows where he's going. But if you're dumb enough, <laughs> right? You can be independent. You can do it your way. <laughs> and probably never be seen or heard of again. <laughs> and they can sing about you at your funeral that there's nothing in the casket. He did it his way. <laughs> but if you're smart, come on, tell me if you're smart, what will you do? You will stay right on the heels of the one with the light. Jesus has been here before. He has navigated this dark, demon-filled, curse-filled earth. Come on. He has lived successfully down here. He pleased God his whole life. He overcame everything. And now he's saying, he told his disciples, I'm not leaving you comfortless. I'm going to send you some help. I'm going to send you another comforter. Another comforter means one like me. They had to comforter him. He's going to send them another one just like him. In fact, he says it's going to be better. Better than Jesus being with you? Yeah. Because he was in the body and he could only be at one place at one time. He said he's going to be with you and he's going to be in you. Glory to God. If he's talking to Peter, you don't have to wait till he gets through. If he's sleeping or if he's eating, he's preaching another town, you don't have to wait to talk to him. The Holy Spirit is inside you 24-7, the Spirit of Jesus himself. Holy Spirit's called the Spirit of Christ. And notice he said, keep reading this, verse 13, the Pharisees challenged him. They said, here you are appearing as your own witness. Your testimony is not valid. Now why did they say that? Based on the law that we just read that you got one witness and you're witnessing about yourself. And so that does not count. They're throwing the law at him. And verse 14 Jesus said, even if I testify on my own behalf, my testimony is valid. For I know where I came from, and I know where I'm going. But you have no idea. You are clueless. And what no idea means, you ain't got a clue. You don't know where I came from, or where I'm going. These guys have spent their whole life studying. They talk and teach about the coming Messiah. And the fulfillment of prophecy and the writings of the prophets, they are self-acclaimed experts. At one point, Jesus said, search the scriptures. And that was like slapping them in the face with a wet dishcloth. I mean, they spent their life searching the scriptures. He said, search the scriptures because you think you know them, you think you have life. And they testify of me. It's talking about me. And here I am. Hey, hey, hey. And you ain't got a clue. You won't come to me holding on to your precious scriptures and talking about the Messiah and he's right in front of you. 
Say it out loud, Lord, help us. Not to do that. Verse 15, he said, you judge by human standards. I pass judgment on no one. Keep going. But if I do judge, my decisions are right because I am not alone. I stand with the Father who sent me. Verse 17, in your own law it is written that the testimony of two men is valid. Verse 18, I am one who testifies for myself. My other witness is the Father who sent me. I'm not testifying by myself. I've got another witness. (laughs) How many like this? (laughs) The complete English version of verse 18, he says, I am one of my witnesses and the Father who sent me is the other one. Now, uh, this, um, let me just touch on this briefly. There are people who try to say that Jesus is the Father and the Father is Jesus. That's not what this sounds like, is it? And the Bible prayed that all of us would be one as He and the Father are one. He's not praying that I would become you and you would become me. He's talking about a oneness. The Father and Jesus the Son and the Holy Spirit are not the same person. I know people like to fuss and argue about this, but there's too many scriptures like this that they can't explain. When Jesus says, I am one of the witnesses, my Father is the other witness. And he says things like, uh, no man knows the day or the time, not even the Son, but the Father knows. If he is the Father, how's he going to know something he doesn't know? I mean, they're just, the book of John, there are a number of these in it. And certainly there's a mystery. I would not begin to claim. I know that much about the Godhead. But I think it's safe to say that Jesus is not the Father. And the Father is not Jesus. Jesus refers to he and the Father as two. And that's good enough for me. Right? I call that solid information. And he's referring to witnesses. And again, backing up this principle that one witness is not enough. You must have the other witness to establish anything. You got to have the other witness. Selah. Go with me to, uh, I'll tell you what, while we're there. Go to John 5. Just back up a couple of uh, pages. We're not quite through with this. John 5. Some of these things I've never taught before. So I'm, I'm believing for direction. How to do it. I started out with 20 pages of notes. And I, I know we can't get through all that. So we're going to have to narrow it down a bit. John 5 and 30. Jesus said, I can of my own self do what? The NIV, put the NIV up there. By myself, I can do nothing. Who said this? Jesus. Jesus. 
lot of people don't believe that. They believe that Jesus did whatever he wanted to do, whenever he wanted to do it. He's the son of God, and it didn't matter what you thought or what you didn't think. He, he just did whatever he decided, whenever he decided. But that's religion. That's tradition. That's not the truth. Jesus emptied himself of his omniscience and omnipotence and limited himself like all other human beings. You said, how could he do that? He's God. If he said he did it, he did it. And he did. And as such, you and I cannot do just anything in the power of God that we decide to do anytime we want to do it. Wouldn't this certainly be true of us? I of myself can do nothing. Proves he's operating like we do as a man. And he said, I judge only as I hear and my judgment is just for I seek not to please myself, but him who sent me. Uh, Verse 31, if I testify about myself or just myself, we could say, my testimony is not valid. Why wouldn't it be valid? It's just one. You got to have a minimum of two. Right? My testimony is not valid. Verse 32. There is another. Who testifies in my favor. And I know that his testimony. About me is valid. Verse 33. You've sent to John. He's talking here about John the Baptist. John. And he has testified to the truth. The Bible said that was John's call. And ministry. To bear witness to. To the light. He kept talking about there's one coming. I'm not worthy to stoop down and untie his sandal. I'm baptizing you in water, but he's going to baptize you in the Holy Ghost. And when he came on the scene, I mean, his ministry was of prominence by this time. Jesus was unknown. John was well known all over the place. And he stood up and said, there he is. Look, behold, the Lamb of God. That's him. That's him. And boy, you can sure tell he did a good job teaching his folks because the mass of his disciples said, is that him? Is that him? He said, that's him. They said, bye. (laughs) Didn't he? They said, we gone. And they left him. And some of John's diehard disciples came and said, that's just not right. They're leaving you and going to him. And they probably said, and you're the one who helped him get started and introduced his ministry to everybody. And he said, no, no, no. It's right. He must increase and I must decrease. This is exactly what's supposed to be happening. This was my ministry. And Jesus said, among those born of women, there's not a greater risen than John the Baptist. And you can see that in his humility and in his sincerity and in his commitment to his call and ministry. Can't you see that? He said, John testified to the truth. We just talked about it. Verse 34. Not that I accept human testimony, but I mention it to you that you may be saved. Keep going. John was a lamp. Uh, he was a, uh, let's see, yeah, this is NIV, a burning and a shining light. You chose for a time to enjoy his light. Verse 36. I have testimony weightier than that of John. For the very work the Father has given me to finish and which I'm doing testifies that the Father has sent me. He's saying every healing, 
every deliverance, was raised from the dead, the walking on the water, every one of those, the turning the water into wine, every one of those is testifying. And he, who did that? He's saying the Father did that. I only do what I uh, see him do. I only say what I, I can't do anything of myself. This is what Jesus said. But the Father that sent me, he does the works. And the Father that sent me is testifying that he sent me. And he said, I'm not just standing up here testifying of myself. John testified of me, and a lot of them believed in him strong. And he said, I'm not just talking about a man's testimony. The Father that sent me is testifying of this. And I really understand, you got Jesus' testimony, you got John's testimony, you got the Father's testimony, and the works, it ought to be settled. It's time to say, you're the one. You are the Messiah. You are the one who was to come. Glory to God. Somebody say, glory to God. Thanks be unto God. Now go with me to Romans, please, the ninth chapter. The Holy Spirit is a witness. And he is the witness that we are to look for every day of our life in things large and small. We ought to have this mentality that my witness alone is not enough. I've got to have the other witness. One witness alone is not enough for me to make a decision about who I marry, what I do in in education, or what I do in profession, or what I do in ministry. One witness is not enough about which car I buy. They'll say, well, my granddad was a Ford man, and his dad's a Ford man. I'm a Ford man. I was born a Ford man. I die a Ford man. Well, I like Fords too. That's all fine and good. But uh, you're not open to anything. What if the Lord wanted to give you a new Bentley? They're not made by Ford. Did I lose somebody? Well, the Lord never was. Oh, Bentleys are only for sinners. Only, exclusively for people that don't believe in God, don't care about God. Huh? Why would they be? Or Bentleys are too expensive for God to get one to you. <laughs> We're getting into something else now, aren't we? <laughs> I'm just saying, if you're stuck on something, you're not open to hear anything different, right? Yes, sir. The Lord might want you in a Chevy. He might not even want you to drive it. He might want to give it to you. Because your brother in the church is believing for it. Huh? And he might want you to get it and pay for it and tag it and all that kind of stuff and go hand him the keys. You don't like Chevys? You might never even have to step foot in it. (laughs) But you get hung up on this Ford only, Ford only, only Ford. I'm a Ford man. 
You need to be not a Ford man, not a Chevy man. You need to be a Holy Ghost man. Don't you? Not led by manufacturer or by date or by price. Come on, or or by model or by any such thing. You are led internally. And we must discipline ourselves. That no matter how much we want something, or what kind of a good deal it looks to us, or how much we think we need it, or anything else, no matter how jazzed we are about getting it or doing it, (laughs) one witness ain't enough. Unless and until we get that other witness, we don't move. We don't do it. I don't care how much pressure, how much need, how much people are saying, this is an amazing deal. You better do it before the sun goes down. Three people have already looked at it. That's time to walk away. It's time to walk away. Because that's why you're led by pressure. Or you're led by fear. Fear that somebody else is going to get it. Fear you're going to miss it. If you're led by fear, you're not led by the Lord. Say it out loud, I must have the other witness. One witness. My own witness is not enough. I must have the other witness. Now this is how Phyllis and I have done everything in ministry. This is why we're in Branson. It's why we're about to open in Sarasota. It's why we have a word supply. It's why every one of the things that we have done, a lot of it was contrary to my thinking. And there was some stuff that I thought I wanted to do, but I couldn't get him to sign on. (laughs) And since we got this two-witness policy, (laughs) it just cancels a lot of stuff. It will save you so much money, so much heartache, so much problems. Because you will never, did you hear the word never? You will never know enough in your head. I don't care how many degrees you got, how brilliant you think you are, how massively you have researched this. You will never know enough in your head to make the perfect decision. Never. For one thing, you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. And that's quite a biggie. But the one inside you does. And when he leads you, he's leading you in light of knowing the end from the beginning. You can't get any better counsel than that. Nobody ever missed it being led by the Spirit. Anytime you made a mistake, you were not being led by the Spirit. So the more you're being led by the Spirit the less you're going to miss it, the less mistakes you're going to make, the less problems you're going to have. Does this sound good to anybody besides me? (laughs) This is the best. (laughs) Isn't it? Glory to God. Somebody say glory to God. Glory to God. Go to uh, 1 John. Let's establish this from Scripture because... uh, When you're talking about a truth in Scripture, 
You can't just give one thought, one verse. Got to be every, every matter, every word must be established in the mouth of two or three witnesses. This is a biblical principle, Old and New Testament. Everything is to be established in the mouth of a minimum of two witnesses. In uh, 1 John 5 and 6. Thank you, Lord. He's helping us tonight, saints. Some of these things, this is the first time I'm getting it out. I have not been able to get this out just quite like this before. Thanks be unto God. And I could not do it without his help. You know that. And yours too. And this is not just for us here tonight. It could be somebody in Russia listening to this five years from now. Right? Be on the internet. He got saved a month ago and decided, you know, I want to learn something about the conscience. Click on it. And it came out right here, right now. Precious. It is. Very, very valuable. He said, uh, this is he, Jesus, that came by water and blood. Jesus Christ, not by water only. You know, when you're born naturally, you're born with water. Talking about a natural, physical birth. But by water and blood. And it is the what? The Spirit that bears witness. Who bears witness? The Spirit. Oh, thank God. The Spirit bears witness. Why? Because the Spirit is truth. Oh, this is wonderful. The Spirit is, he's called in John, if you read John chapter 14, 15, and 16, you'll see him referred to more than once as the Spirit of truth. And he will lead and guide you and me into all the truth. And he will take of what the Lord has. Jesus said, he is also. He said, I'm the way, the truth. And the life. he'll take of his, what? Among other things, truth. And show it to you. And lead and guide you into all the truth. And he will never testify of anything false. How many of the spirit of truth would never tell you something false? Never, ever, never going to happen. So when you get a witness from the spirit, it is a true witness. When he witnesses to you about something, it is, sometimes you hear the people say, it is the God's truth. Well, it really is. Because he is God. God, the Holy Spirit, and he's bearing witness with truth. And you have access to that witness 24-7. And there are times he will not witness with you on a thing. And it is for your protection. For your and my safety. There will be times and situations and things that you'll pray and pray and pray. And if you'll be honest with yourself, you'll know this is a one witness deal. It's just me by myself wanting to do this, wanting to push this, wanting to have this, wanting to get this, whatever it is. And when you learn the difference between him and you, you know when he's with you or not. When he's witnessing with you or not. And if he's not witnessing with you, please do not embark on the journey. Yes, that's right. Wait. Wait for the witness. Say it out loud. Wait. Wait. 
for the witness. Say it again. Wait for the witness. You look for the witness and you wait for the witness. I know when we were over at the, uh, formerly the Yellow Ribbon Theater where we started in the church. And uh, we knew we needed to expand and we were kind of landlocked there. And just didn't feel right about trying. There was a little bit of land around us. And the folks that had it wanted to sell it to us. And uh, for a great, great big price. And um, we just had no, you know, you'd think, well, you don't want somebody else moving in there and building stuff right beside you. And then you need it later on. And if you think it's high now, you know, wait 20 years. But had no witness. You need it. There it is. It'd be nice. No witness. What does that mean? It's reasonable. It's logical. You need it. Unless you got a witness, that shouldn't mean a thing to you. I said, unless you have a witness, all of that should mean zip, nothing to you. Yeah, but it's this, and yeah, but it's that, and all the accolades, and, and it's 20% off, and it's da-da-da-da, and, and free shipping, and da-da-da-da, and all that. If you got no witness, that ought to mean nothing to you. Nothing. And so, years went by. Our kids are maxed. We need this, we need that, we need the other. We looked, we looked. There, we made inquiries and, and tried to pursue a little bit some things about some properties and even got to the place where you could make a deal. And, and I just had to stop because I got no witness. It's just me. And I learned a little while back that the Lord will let you do stuff by yourself. <laughs> and after him letting me do some stuff by myself a few times... After three or four times of that, I fell on the floor, put my nose in the carpet and said, oh God, I don't want to do stuff. I don't want you just to let me do stuff anymore. I want to know what you are directing us to do. In order to have that, you must wait on him. You must wait till you have it. And that's tough on your flesh because your flesh is impatient. The nature of the flesh is impatient. It wants it now. And you have to put that flesh under and say, I don't care what you want. It doesn't matter. Yeah, but we need, we got calls and pressures and deadlines and this and that. Yeah, but you either got it or you don't. It's just as real as if you and I were involved in a deal. Just as real. And if you say, well, Keith, I got to do this. Got to come on, get in here and give me your signature. And I said, I'm not ready. You'd know it, wouldn't you? If I'm not hooking up with you, if I'm not willing to commit with you, if I'm not willing to get involved, wouldn't you know it? You reckon the Holy Spirit's as real as I am? He's a person. He's a very, very real person. And he's inside you. And you can know just as surely as you know if I was with you on something or not, you can know if he's with you on something or not. Can you say amen? amen? The Spirit is the one who bears witness. Oh, somebody say, thank you, Lord. Keep reading. Verse 7. There are three that bear record in heaven. The Father. Bear record is the same as witness. Or testify. 
the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. And these three are one. And there are three that what? Bear Bear witness in earth. The Spirit, the water, and the blood. And these three agree in one. If we receive the what? The witness of men. The witness of God is greater. Which would you rather have? The witness of men? Or the witness of God? How many believe that if you say, Lord, should I do this or should I not do this? Would you rather have three million witnesses of men and women or one witness from God? A petition signed by 3,395,000 men and women that think you ought to do it. I will throw that away for one witness from God. Because the majority is not always right. Very often, off the wall. Hear people say sometimes, well, two billion people can't be wrong. Oh, yes, they can. Oh, yes, they can. (laughs) Two billion people can be totally deceived. All believing the same lies. They told the lies to each other. That's why they believe all the same lies. (laughs) There is not safety in numbers. When it comes to people's opinions. Usually the more opinions you got. The more confusion you got. Not help. Verse 9. If we receive the witness of men. The witness of God is greater. For this is the witness of God. Which he has testified of his son. You hear this language all through here don't you. God testifies. Jesus testifies. The Holy Spirit testifies. Guess who else is supposed to testify? You and me. Verse 10, this is the testimony that God has given concerning his son. He that believes on the son of God has the witness in himself. What does that mean? This is what we just got through reading in Romans 8, 16. He that... uh, Believes on God, the Son of God, Jesus, has the witness in himself. What witness? Put up Romans 8.16. What witness? Romans 8.16. Can you put that up for us? The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that what? If you believe that Jesus is the Christ, right? And you've received him, you are born of God. And you are not alone in this witness You have the Holy Spirit in you. When you say, I am born again, I'm a child of God, you are not alone in your affirmation. The one who lives inside you goes, yes, you are. Somebody besides you is testifying to the truth that you are a born again child of God. And the same way he can let you know you're a child of God. He can let you know a myriad of other things in this life. How many of he could let you know one thing? Why couldn't he let you know something else? He can and he does. Great commission is to go into all the world. Preach the gospel to everybody, every creation, every creature. But, uh, you know, Keith and Phyllis Moore can't go to everybody in the world. How am I going to know where to go? How am I going to know what to do? Why Branson instead of Springfield or St. Louis? 
If you want to go by statistics, right. numbers, yeah. if you're looking for the most people within driving distance, mm-hmm. or if you're trying to find, you know, who would have more of this or more of that, or, you know, if, you, if you're led by all that stuff, you're a single witness operator. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you're going to have problem after problem. How many would testify right now and say, I am not a single witness operator. I am a two witness man or woman. I am a two witness operator. Two. I got to have two. Right? Now sometimes the Spirit of God will say something and do something through another person. Now you got three. It was him through them. But it was them, their spirit is saying this is the Holy Spirit. And so you got you and them and the Holy Spirit, that's three. I've seen situations where you had four, five, and six. And the more the better. When it's a real Holy Ghost witness, not just people's opinion. But one, <laughs> one don't cut it. Huh? One is not enough. Not unless you're foolish. One is not enough. Go with me now to Romans 9. Actually, back up to Romans 2. And let's read these together. Romans 2 and 15. Romans 2.15. It talks about individuals that were not brought up under the law. They were Gentiles. They were idol worshipers, didn't grow up in the temple, hearing the law every Sabbath. They went to Diana's temple, Baal, every such thing, bizarre stuff. (laughs) And yet these people get saved, and now, without quoting the law, they know it's wrong to steal, they know it's wrong to lie. They know it's wrong to commit adultery. They know it's wrong to bear false witness. Number nine of the ten. And uh, it says they have the work of the law written in their hearts. And the way it's getting to their mind is that their conscience is bearing witness. That's one witness. Their conscience is bearing witness. Their thoughts the meanwhile accusing or else excusing one another. You got thoughts in your head. Is this right? Is is this wrong? Is this the way to go? Is this not the way to go? Well, your spirit is not your head. You can have a knowing of a testimony of your own spirit. Which way is right in your thinking or decision making? But again, that's just one witness. Now, in, uh, in 2 Corinthians, don't turn there, but 2 Corinthians 1.12, he said, our rejoicing is this, the testimony of our conscience. Say that out loud, the testimony, the testimony. Of, my of my conscience. He said, in simplicity and godly sincerity, not with fleshly wisdom, but by the grace of God, we've had our conversation in the world and more abundantly towards you. He's rejoicing, he said, in the testimony of his conscience. Men, you have joy when your conscience is clear. You sleep good. 
You don't have problem with ulcers, and a myriad of other afflictions and ailments when your heart is not condemning you about anything between you and God, between you and people. Because you know, you've done everything you know to make things right. If you did miss it, you ask God to forgive you and you receive your forgiveness and cleansing and you're either clean or you're not. You either forgive it. If you're clean, you're clean. And if you did something to get somebody, you humbled yourself, you admitted it, you did what you could do to make it right. Whether they accept it or not, you know you did what you could do. Right? And if your conscience is truly clear between you and God and between you and people, men and women, Family, neighbors, co-workers, everybody. You can rejoice. Your joy will be unimpeded. Your peace will be unrestricted. People will look at you and they'll see the joy and the peace in your face and in your life and think he's just putting on. He can't really be that happy and that peaceful. But you can be. It's real. I said it's real. The problem is so many folks live with a Guilty, troubled conscience. They just live that. They've lived that way for years and they're used to it. They think that's the only way you can live, but it's not. You can live with a clear conscience. You can have a clear, free conscience. Go to Romans 9 now. This should be very clear now concerning what we're talking about. Romans 9 and 1. I say the truth. Do you notice how many times conscience is connected to truth? <laughs> There's no way you're going to have a clear conscience unless you tell the truth. You've got to tell the truth. You've got to be honest about what you saw, what you know. You can't play games with God and pretend with Him. You may fool some people, but you can't tell God, oh, was I supposed to do that? <laughs> You know, I, I I didn't see that till you explain. Hey, don't forget who you're talking to here now, right? All things are open and naked before the eyes of Him with whom we have to do. He doesn't just see you; He sees through you. He sees through you and the person's heart behind you. I mean, He sees. How I many know what I'm talking about? He, whoo, you talk about X-ray vision. It's beyond that. God sees it all. And so if you're aware of that, you never come in trying to play, trying to fool with him. You just come and bear it. Because he already knows. He already sees. He already knows. You just come in an, uh, all honesty and sincerity. You say, God, this is, this is what I see. This is what I know. Now, So much is written in the word about being a false witness. You know the phrase, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, that kind of thing. That is written specifically about false witnesses. Go back and study it sometime. The word was that if you came and bore false testimony, trying to get somebody judged guilty and punished, and they find out that you're lying, you're a lying witness, then whatever you wanted to be done to them is to be done to you. Eye for eye, tooth for tooth, whatever it was. That's specifically what that's talking about. 
So a false witness, that's one of the few things that listed a list of just a handful of things that it said God hated. That's on the list. Actually, two of the things on the list, one of them was lying lips. The other one was a false witness, closely related. But the Bible said God hates it. He hates it. And so we know the Holy Spirit is a true witness. He would never tell you wrong. The question is, are you a true witness? Because that is the key to us making the right decision and going the right way every time. He's going to tell you right. But are you going to tell yourself right? Are you going to be honest about what you see and about what you know? Keep reading. He said, this is the New Living Translation, Romans 9.1. Romans 9.1, New Living. With Christ as my witness, I speak with what? Utter truthfulness. Zero shading. Zero monkeying around with the truth. This is the absolute, unvarnished, unchanged truth. The best I know it, the best I see it. Utter truthfulness. My conscience and the Holy Spirit confirm it. Oh, did you hear that? Did you hear that? Does he have the other witness here? I don't think that if you took his scroll, his letter that he rolled up and had somebody take to the saints at Rome, that if you said, Paul, I think this is holy writ. I think this is the Holy Scripture. It'll be read in churches for all generations. I don't think he knew that. But he knew this. I'm not just talking to you out of myself. I got another witness with me on this. This is not just Paul talking to you. My conscience, what he was about to tell them about, it had to do with uh, the Jewish nation and, and the Gentiles and salvation and a number of things. But he said, what I'm telling you my conscience is witnessing to it that is true, and 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 the Holy Spirit is testifying too. He was aware that he was not testifying on his own. This is not my mind, not something I figured out. This is my conscience inside me, and it's the Holy Spirit. And when you got your conscience. And the Holy Spirit, it's time to act. That is solid information. That is God leading you. That you won't miss it on. Oh, anybody excited about this besides me? The complete, the CEV, let me give you a couple more of these so you see that these other scholars are saying it in a different way. The complete English version. I'm a follower of Christ. And the Holy Spirit is a witness to my conscience. I tell the truth and I'm not lying when I say this. Weymouth's translation says, I'm telling you the truth as a Christian man. It is no falsehood for my conscience enlightened as it is by the Holy Spirit adds its, actually it should be his, adds his testimony to mine. The Holy Spirit is adding his testimony to mine. Now all of this is actually the literal definition of conscience. 
If you look up the word in the Greek, it means a co-co-witness. Co-witness. The uh, Weist translation says it that way. The Weist says, truth I speak in Christ, I am not lying. My conscience bearing joint testimony with me in the Holy Spirit. Joint testimony. Friends, let's discipline ourselves. Let's train ourselves and discipline ourselves that I don't care if it's going out and buying groceries or your next house or, or who you're going to marry or what your ministry is or anything in between. We look for the witness. We learn to keep our conscience clear. Remember, you've got to be clear to hear. You keep your conscience clear and you pay attention to the witness of your conscience. But even that's not enough by itself. You require an additional witness in order to have. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. When, as I say these things, I think about thing after thing after thing after thing after thing in ministry that that's how God led us. To the properties here in Branson. That's how he led us. I remember coming over here tired and um, uh, looking. I didn't have a clue at that moment that I'd be a pastor. I thought the Lord's just moving our ministry from where we were to here. I had no idea we'd have a church. And the Lord dealt with us. You know, Phyllis used to be in real estate years ago. And I said, well, you know, you look and I'll pray. And um, we'll get together and talk about it at the end of the day here. And... Uh, somebody had supernaturally de- talked to her about the uh, Yellow Ribbon Theater. And so she was standing in there looking at it. And she called me and said, you got to come see this. I said, what is it? She told me, I said, well, how big is it? Because I told her, you know, maybe find a place that might have two or three hundred seats. We could shoot TV in there and do some stuff. It's got 2,000 something seats. <laughs> I thought, huh? I was still figuring it out. <laughs> Not figuring it out. Still finding out what God already knew. And uh, I went and looked at it. And sure enough, like she knew that's why she said you need to come see. She had a witness. And she and I standing there. Our little staff's down in Tulsa. Not enough money in the bank to take care of the lawn on this place. But we had something. More precious than money. More precious than the opinion of 10 million people. Come on, are you listening? More important than government contracts. More important. As we stood there, I had that same witness. She looked at me. It's the witness we had when we went to Rama Bible Training Center. It's the same witness we had to help the Hagans. It's the same witness we had to get our house. The same witness we had to sow this seed. Same witness. Same witness. And I realized, yeah, I got a witness. Yeah, she's got a witness. But we got another witness here. We got the Holy Spirit. We got a quickening inside us. He will let you know it's definite. It's discernible. It's knowable. I'm not talking about a buzz. I'm not talking about seeing something with your eyes or hot flash or cold flash. This is internal inside you. It's a knowing. I had it. She had it. He was given it. We got three witnesses right here that this is it. 
and we could not see how. And over the next couple of weeks, we did. I did everything I knew how to, to, to get the ball rolling and to make it start and fell flat. Nothing happened. Some of the things I tried to, to say, well, you know, could we do this? Could we do that? I made offers. I tried to do this and that. Nothing, nothing, nothing. Thank you for your time. Bye. <laughs> we went back to the room and sat down and said, Lord, we've done everything we can do. And within the next 48 hours, we had a contract. And you know the rest of it. This one down in Sarasota. We were not originally thinking. We had had it in our heart for two or three years that we were to start another church. The Lord was dealing with us that he wanted to do again what he had done here. We were looking at other parts of the country, not down there. And I won't go into all the details, but after some months, the Lord dealt with us, looked there. We thought, really? Because, you know, if it's a place that's nice and warm in the wintertime, you have to, and close to the beach, you have to make sure (laughs) that this is not just something you thought about. You definitely need the other witness. (laughs) And Phyllis and I, Thank God for that airplane the Lord has given us. And thank God for the, the freedom. And, uh, you know, there's been times we've been flying along, just me and her. And, and she said, the Spirit of God just spoke to me. You know, in the flight. And it had to do with something that was in ministry. And, and when we got there, we landed. Didn't know that. We'd been there a time or two in, in times past. But we didn't know this particular area at all. We got on the ground, got in the rental car, got in the road. Fifteen minutes later, we're sitting in the parking lot of the place we're building out right now. No knowledge of even where we were going or where we were. And yet we had a witness sitting there, had a witness. No money to do it. But the witness is worth more than money. After, you know, inquiring a little bit about it, found out. That it had already been announced publicly. That it was sold to somebody else. But if the witness. Says that's it. What should that mean to you? And you know. You know the results. In a short amount of time. We had it. And uh, the Lord had just done it. Done it. Done it. Why not there? I mean you know our north of there. There's another two million plus people. That could come to the church. In that town or another out. Why there? Why here instead of Springfield? or A bigger place or this or that? Well, I'm not the general. I'm the soldier on the ground. Right? He knows the big picture. All I'm supposed to do is follow orders. Right? And not change them. And not write my own orders. And not change the one he gives. And how many think if you do what he directs you to do. What's the key to miracles? Anybody remember? We're back where we started. What's the key to miracles? Whatever he says to you, do that, and you're going to see some water into wine type stuff. You're going to see some amazing things that you could not do by yourself. Can you say amen? Amen. Stand on your feet, everybody. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Go ahead and play. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Just lift your hands and thank the Lord for his goodness.
for his graciousness, for his kindness. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.